Hello and welcome back to Endopod. If you're new here, hi, my name is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. Today we're going to be talking about the effect of exercise on the endocrine system. We will focus on the thyroid gland, adrenal glands and the pancreas. It comes as no surprise that exercise is physically demanding on our body. It leads to many adaptations both quickly and slowly over a long period of time. So let's have a look at those changes from an endocrinological perspective. First, let's talk about the thyroid gland. Under normal conditions, the thyroid gland secretes thyroid hormones, which are present in two forms, T3 and T4. They're released in response to stimulation from thyroid-stimulating hormone, or TSH, which is released from the pituitary gland. Think of the pituitary gland as a conductor of the orchestra of hormones. So when it secretes thyroid-stimulating hormone, the thyroid gland secretes thyroid hormones. The thyroid gland initially secretes T4, which is then converted to T3, which is the active form of T4, and brings about changes all over the body. These thyroid hormones allow maintenance of body weight, temperature, muscle strength and mood, and hence are integral to a person's overall health. Now that we know the normal physiology of the thyroid gland, let's look at what happens to these hormones when we exercise. Thyroid hormones increase heart rate, blood pressure and alertness during exercise. This allows increased blood flow to working muscles. Studies have found that maximum high-intensity exercise at around 90% of the maximum heart rate leads to an increase in T4 and TSH levels, but the levels of T3 start to decline. They also play a role in the regulation of body temperature according to stimulus. A lack of thyroid hormones can lead to hypothyroidism, which can have widespread effects on the body, including hair loss, obesity, depression, and more. Studies have found that aerobic exercise works to increase the level of thyroid hormones and TSH, and hence can be valuable in maintaining our overall health. This includes swimming, cycling and jogging. Now let's talk about the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands is composed of two parts, the cortex, which is the outer part, and the medulla, which is the inner part. The cortex produces three classes of hormones. Mineralocorticoids, or aldosterone, are produced, which help regulate blood pressure by controlling the body's sodium and water level. Aldosterone causes the body to retain sodium in the blood and excrete potassium in the urine. Due to this, the body retains more water, hence increasing the blood pressure. The next class of hormones secreted by the cortex are glucocorticoids, or cortisol. Cortisol is also known as a stress hormone and is secreted as a response to the hormones secreted by the pituitary gland called adrenocorticotrophic hormone. Cortisol has widespread effects including metabolism, water and electrolyte balance, the immune response, growth, cardiovascular function, mood and cognitive functions, reproduction and development. And lastly, the cortex produces androgens which are essentially sex hormones. These are primarily testosterone and androstenedione. Lastly, the medulla of the adrenal gland releases adrenaline and noradrenaline, as well as a little bit of dopamine. Now that we've covered how the adrenal glands work, let's go over how it responds to exercise. The key actions of adrenaline are part of the body's fight or flight response. These include increased heart rate and blood pressure, expanding of the airways to the lungs, enlarging pupils in the eyes, redirecting more blood to the exercising muscles, and lastly, altering the body's metabolism. 
Adrenaline stimulates the liver to release glucose so that it's available for the brain and accelerates the use of glucose stores in the muscles. Cortisol also helps with this process by facilitating the breakdown of proteins in muscle to allow the liver to produce even more glucose. This process is called gluconeogenesis. Gluco meaning glucose, neo mean, meaning new, and genesis meaning making. So you're making new glucose molecules from proteins. What happens to aldosterone levels when we exercise? A study found that short-term exercise leads to an increase in aldosterone and another molecule called angiotensin II. During exercise, the blood flow to the kidneys decrease. This is detected by specific kidney cells and they produce a protein called renin. Renin eventually leads to the formation of angiotensin II, which then goes on to cause aldosterone release from the adrenal glands. This contributes to sodium and water retention and maintaining the high blood pressure we find in exercise. Lactate also leads to the release of aldosterone due to its actions on cells which produce it. Lactate is a waste product produced by our muscles during strenuous exercise when there is simply not enough blood supply to all the working muscles. And when we feel sore after strenuous exercise, this is because of a buildup of lactate in our muscles. So far, we've been over how exercise affects the thyroid gland and the adrenal glands. Next up, we'll be talking about the pancreas. The pancreas plays an integral role in blood glucose or sugar regulation. Glucose is an essential component in the processes that take place during exercise. There needs to be more glucose available to be used up by the brain. Under normal conditions, pancreas is responsible for secreting insulin in response to high glucose levels in the blood. It causes glucose to move into fat and muscle tissue to reduce the glucose levels in the blood itself. During exercise, insulin decreases so that more glucose is available in the blood and so that it can be utilised by active muscles. However, at the same time, blood flow to the muscles also increases and the muscles will see more insulin. This leads to the uptake of glucose into muscles. Studies have shown that exercise improves insulin resistance, increases insulin sensitivity, increases pancreatic beta cell mass. Beta cells are responsible for producing insulin and it generally enhances beta cell function as well. So we can see how regular exercise is an important aspect in the management of type 2 diabetes where the body is not responsible to normal levels of insulin, or in other words, there is insulin resistance. It also enhances the uptake of glucose into muscles and therefore it reduces the level of glucose in the blood, which is the main problem in type 2 diabetes. With its widespread effects on the endocrine system, it's no wonder why exercising is so beneficial for us. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and thank you for listening in. Keep a lookout for next week's episode on another interesting topic. Please follow us on our Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages. Please like and share this podcast with all your friends. And of course, I always welcome any feedback. If you have any requests, then let us know. As always, we're very grateful for the support we're receiving. Before I go, I want to say a big thank you to Zunira Yusuf, our media and publicity assistant who was involved in the making of this episode. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier, signing off. Disclaimer. 
Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society is a student-led organization, and the content provided through Endopod is solely for informative purposes. This does not replace advice of a doctor or any other healthcare professional. The medical students involved in the making of this episode are in the third and fourth year of their medical studies. All information provided in this episode was researched on appropriate resources, and they're available in the episode description. Thank you for listening.